Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts. Today we are covering White Lotus Season 2. Mm. I'm so excited. The scenery is beautiful. They're oh. in Italy. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just want to be there. You've been to Italy. Did I you have. Go to that part or a different no, part? No. So th- I think this is in Sicily. Yes. Um, so I visited Naples and then Positano and Capri. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it like this? It was literally everything of the sort like stunning beautiful incredible the food i could like 
write home about every day. Mm. Just the most beautiful, stunning place ever yeah. I've been. Uh, I mean, it, it, that reads true. Mm-hmm. Like in the in this series, it mm-hmm. looks so beautiful. I definitely the want to water. go there. I uh. noticed too in season one of White Lotus. Right, there's a lot of like um cuts of the water, the mm-hmm. waves crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, that the water scene often either comes out of or into like another scene right, right? of like a person it like kind of fades into the right. scene of like underwater or something so i think that's like an interesting and theme. It, and sometimes it would be like the waves are slowly gently mm. crashing other times there's a big crash yeah. and i i feel like that was purposeful and sort of played mm. into like the scene or what's going on with the characters mm-hmm. and then you know spoiler alert tanya eventually dies in the yeah. water the water takes her the water takes her she mm. almost made it like, I thought she was going to make it, and then she slips. Like, I think that was – they said, you know, the writer, director um, was commenting on how it was so important for him that Tanya, like, did not die at the hands of someone else. Yes. That she still was kind of able – like, she still was in charge, even though, like, she you know, slipped. she slipped and died. But he didn't want her being killed by, you know, the quote-unquote gaze. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So let's just jump right in, I think, with Tanya. <laughs> yes. Um, so we talked a little bit about our, you know, feelings toward her um, last time we recapped season one. We talked a lot about how she displays some traits and characteristics of borderline personality disorder and how the character talks about how mm-hmm. her mother actually also had borderline personality disorder. Um, did you feel, Portia, like that was consistent in season two? Or did I think you, so. Yeah. What yeah. did you notice? So I think, again, like her interpersonal um experiences with both greg with portia you know fun to see my name in tv for once um she just seems to really be only thinking about herself right so like can't hear portia they were having a conversation we were talking about this before the podcast and it's like she almost like tunes her out like it's kind of is talking over her just goes back to her thought right Right, it's like she can't even hear portia i think she's asking for a day off to spend time with albie yeah there was that scene where portia was like i know i'm kind of on the clock but uh could i take the day and hang out with albie and she sort of tries to make a case for it Mm -hmm. and there's like a a pause and then tanya just keeps talking about her own issues like doesn't right. even acknowledge that portia said anything almost like portia didn't say anything mm-hmm. um and i think that actually so tracks with people with uh cluster b traits whether it's borderline narcissistic histrionic that the way they relate to other people is almost like other people in their lives are objects that are only there to serve a purpose in relation to them um they have a really they can't like see these people as their own independent humans who have their own wants and needs who are both good and bad right exactly and so like tanya couldn't even hear like it didn't even register in her consciousness Mm -hmm. that portia was asking for some distance from her and i think that probably played into her intense fear of abandonment Mm -hmm. and she just didn't even acknowledge it yeah i thought that was a like such a smartly written Mm -hmm. scene and i wonder if the writers were like really going for that if they knew or if that just happened, you know, if that's just the way I'm interpreting it. I feel like it's got to be intentional you just think? because it's so good. It's so perfect. You know, and, yeah. and Greg also says to her at one point, I think at the beginning when he sees that Portia is there, <laughs> they get into a fight and he says, you discard people, you drop people on a dime, you fire people. Um, mm. And then she calls him a full of shit man. And then she says, I hate you. So like... Mm. I think that even their dynamic you see mm-hmm. over the couple of episodes that he's there in Italy with her for, um, she's really easily crying, you yes. know, she's really emotive, which again, like if someone, 
was on vacation with me, like my partner, and all of a sudden they were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave you for two days. Like, I might have a reaction to that yeah, as well. Like, exactly. it was unknown. So, again, like, maybe that's why she brought Portia because she had a feeling he mm. was going to leave and she didn't want to be alone. And, and so my question is, is right, like the ultimate, um, kind of, problem or or issue i guess i would say with bpd is right the fear of abandonment and so is tanya picking up on greg's right like other relationship his 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 obviously very nefarious plan to have her murdered but or and i and i think this is hard talking with clients it's like are you picking up on something that's real Right. Or not. And or it's like, are you that's projecting such a difficult question. Fear. Exactly. That is such a hard question. I also think as a therapist, it's really hard when you only have your patient's yes. perspective. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's easier to pick up in like couples or family mm-hmm. work. Um, but I think that's part of the therapy is learning like right. where your own baggage ends and where the person you're interacting with begins. And that is almost like the definition of mm-hmm. an interpersonal boundary, which people with these personality disorders really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And we see that displayed so beautifully, you know, throughout this series with Tanya. And yeah. I think you're totally right. Like at first when I was watching this, I thought Greg was upset Portia was there because he like wanted to just be on vacation with her. Then I realized it's because he was planning to murder her and didn't want like a witness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like why did she bring Portia? Like, A, why does she have an assistant? Like, why? <laughs> um, but I wonder if she was picking up on Greg, like, pulling away. Like, mm. we easily see that. We also, like, easily saw that in season one, like, from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And we talked about how Greg, like, isn't a safe attachment figure for her. But that's probably what she's used to. Mm-hmm. So for her, that feels like it's it. Right. You know, and we just see how mean he is to her. Like, with the the macaroons, right? Uh, yeah, totally. So mean. Yep. He's just always putting her down. Always criticizing her. It's just mean. And in some in some points, I was like, it's interesting Tanya's interpretation of that, right? She said to herself, like, oh, he cares so much about me. That's why he's saying that. And it's like, no, he just said something mean to you. But then right. on the other hand, she has, you know, a quote unquote, like, inappropriate reaction to something that, like, isn't that bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like her, it's it's skewed where, mm-hmm. you know, and again, like I'm a third party. I'm also a therapist. It's also a show. <laughs> but I'm watching. I'm like, Tanya, like you should have had a bigger reaction to him, like food shaming you. Right. And a lesser reaction over here. Right. And a bigger reaction when you overhear him in the bathroom saying like, I love you. I'll be there soon. And, you know, I know. Right. That's what, you know, was just like interesting, confusing, you know, and I think maybe difficult for someone who doesn't know or or isn't thinking about her in terms of like BPD. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I also wonder if that is just like a really accurate portrayal of the inner world of someone with BPD. She was saying at one point to Portia later on in the season, you know, basically saying like, Portia, you remind me a lot of me when I was younger. And you could see Portia like recoil inside like, no, no, I don't want to be like you. Um, But then she said to Portia, when you're empty inside and you have no direction, you'll end up in some crazy places, but you'll still be lost. I think she said that to her after Portia and Jack um, sort of like dined and ditched. Mm -hmm. And Portia was like sort of high off the thrill of that. And and Tanya was like, Aaron Teeny Balls are like a dollar. Like, what are you doing with this guy? Um, And I just thought like that spoke to another core feature of borderline personality disorder, which is this pervasive inner sense of emptiness. And I think that's exactly what Tanya was speaking to. And I thought that was just like a really beautiful way to put words to a really difficult experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought in general, 
we really got a feel for the chaotic inner world of Tanya, like in all of her big reactions, her, you know, small reactions where you think they should have been bigger and just kind of all of it, like her whole character, I thought Mm -hmm. really just portrayed the inner emotional chaos people with BPD often feel and how, again, that's in such discrepancy to also their inner emptiness. And that goes right back to that old sort of like splitting defense mechanism. Right. Um, it's just fascinating and just really well written, really well portrayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Tanya, you know, I wish that she could go on to season three. Oh, I know. I'm definitely disappointed that she's not going to be. But also I think that was like intentional. Like, you know, this was the end of her story. And mm-hmm. we'll see if there's some talks that maybe Portia is in season three. Oh, I would love that. That oh was kind gosh. of a cliffhanger. Like, what does she do with this information? She, you know, <laughs> is in this weird position of being like scared and like mm-hmm. not sure if it was Tanya right she learned from Albie that like a guest was you know found dead in the water and then there was this ship with all these like gunshot wounds um and that's kind of all she knows and i just think like i hate greg right like i i just how dare you how dare you greg and i just feel like he's gonna get off like he's gonna inherit all the money um he just used everyone he used quentin mm-hmm. right like we come to find that greg was like the cowboy from the past that quentin was in love with um and it sounds like i, I didn't quite understand why quentin felt such loyalty to greg um but he's like doing his dirty work i think for financial reasons too like greg's mm-hmm. like i'll give you some of the money it sounds like quentin really needed it he's kind of spent all his money um uh, but he like used that love from Quentin to get rid of his wife so he could get the money. And he also knew that Quentin and his friends could suck Tanya in and like she would quickly idealize them, which she does with everyone. And she did. And they knew how to make her feel special. Exactly. And 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 I was like, is he trying to give her like make the last week of her life the best ever? Like even when they play out her fantasy in Italy Mm -hmm. on the Vespa, which I thought was hilarious. um, I was like, on the one hand, you're like, is that like kind of nice? But then you know you're going to kill her. Or is it just like you're getting even more over on her. Well, and how do you do that as a person, right? Like if Ugh. we try to diagnose Greg, like what does that even look like? I mean, you come into someone's life and have the gall to take their like family money after being married to them for a year. Like it's just so Sick. gross. Like right. how do you think you can do that? Well, I think he's like a sociopath, you know? Um, and I think he just is so exploitative. Mm-hmm. And again, like is looking and relating to Tanya as just like a means to an end for him. Like right. she's an object to him. And now he's ready to discard her and by like, like kill her. Um, and I was just so sad that it took her so long to figure it out. And even as she is shooting the, the gays, as she calls them, um, she asks, is Greg having an affair? And again, it just speaks to that is the core fear of abandonment. Like her life is in danger and she still wants that answer, mm-hmm. right? Because that's just more so heartbreaking, right? Right, like that is. Oh, it's just it's so heartbreaking. Because like it's almost like the money isn't about her, but like him cheating on her is about her, right? And her just being so rejected mm-hmm. and unimportant. But and yet he like treats her as unimportant, and he rejects her all the time, and she's constantly coming back wanting to feel good enough, mm-hmm. and she's just not. Like, she'll never get that with him, but right. she doesn't have, 
you know, a, a secure sense of self enough to be able to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, no, totally. I think, too, like we were there was some question of was were we seeing more like borderline traits with her or more histrionic traits? Right. Yeah. Um. So histrionic just a little bit of background is in the same cluster um, as borderline you experience discomfort when you're not the center of attention Um, you might engage in provocative or dramatic behavior there's like mood swings over the top displays of emotion so you know some of these sound like pretty Mm -hmm. um, in line with bpd seeking reassurance or validation extreme sensitivity to criticism impulsive behavior easily influenced um but also like a lack of concern for others which i think Mm -hmm. in some ways bpd it's not a lack of concern of others due to like being how do i say this like because you want to it's mm-hmm. almost like you have deep concern for others you are often just so stuck in your head about you because your mm-hmm. emotions are so intense mm-hmm. um you know a lot of people with bpd have you know care lo- loved ones you yeah. know do have great relationships are often used or often vulnerable yeah um, so I think that was just like a little bit of a difference. Um, Which where where do you think Tanya falls? I think more in BPD, especially mm-hmm. just primarily because we know of her trauma history and mm-hmm. we know like, her, you know, we think of her mom's diagnosis. Um, there's not there's less research with histrionic personality disorder. So like maybe they also have strong connections to childhood attachment trauma. But like the imagine. research is more so with currently mm-hmm. with BPD. Um, and like you're saying, Portia, there's so much overlap, and that is why we sort of lump mm-hmm. or think about personality development when we're trying to organize such a complicated, convoluted topic into like more concrete right. ways of understanding it. We've sort of come up with these clusters, like mm-hmm. these buckets of like, well, people with these types of personality traits tend to have one of these personality disorders, but often there's some overlap. So she very well could have traits of both. Yep. Um, and sometimes what, some traits might be louder, others are softer, and it can go back and forth. Yeah, no. And and someone I saw online um, felt like the main difference between histrionic and BPD is that BPD with, um, I'm sorry, that histrionic personality disorder are motivated more by receiving um, and like their desire for attention, mm. while people with BPD are more motivated by fear of abandonment and rejection. But I would ask, like, okay, but why do people with HPD mm-hmm. need this desire for attention? And right? how is it like, different from narcissism? Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's like you know some questions that I have with HPD. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like HPD we don't talk about as much. It doesn't get as much like airtime. Mm-hmm. I guess like in the media or even like clinically, maybe we kind of leave it at like, oh, those are histrionic behaviors. Yeah, I would say and that's what, true. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, okay, like why? Yeah, like, where, like, where are we doing? From? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And how is that different from, you know, someone with narcissistic traits also needing to be the center of attention Mm -hmm. or else they feel like nothing? Right. Is that what's similar? And people with histrionic uh, personality disorder just really like act out in a more behavioral attention seeking way. Um, Yeah, it's a... It just feels unclear to it me. It does feel unclear. And it's murky. And mm-hmm. again, I think like it it is unclear because personality development is so complicated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this is just us trying to put words yeah. to like such a complicated mm-hmm. topic. No, I agree. Um and, and some of the parts of thinking back to like attachment trauma, childhood trauma maybe is when Tanya is um having sex with Greg, right? And oh. she says that she is disassociating. Disassociating. <laughs> I just want to put this out there. It the word is dissociate. 
dissociate. I hear so I many dissociating. Dissoci- dissociating. It is a tricky word with all the S's and C's, but it, I don't think it's disassociate, but I hear a lot of people mm-hmm. say it that way. I don't know why. Maybe this is just splitting hairs and I'm just being a snob. <laughs> um, but I thought that was hilarious, right? And again, so well-written and perfect, right? Like her and Greg are finally having sex. Mm-hmm. She had come in in her beautiful lingerie. Oh, beautiful. Trying to get his attention after he'd really shamed her for all the macaroons. He's so mean to her and so dismissive. Like he's just constantly rejecting mm-hmm. her. But finally he's like, okay, let's do it. And then as they're having sex, she like freaks out, right? And like pushes him away, pushes yes. him off of her. Um, and he gets like offended and annoyed. And she's like, I'm sorry, I was just disassociating. Um, do you remember what she was imagining in that moment? He kept seeing, well, it kept, I thought, showing like one of those statues. Or, those like, heads, masks. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she tells him, she's like, your head, you know, this head was on you and then you were gone and you were right in my face. And he's just like looking at her like she has three heads. And then he's like, you know, well, I didn't I didn't get off. And she's like, okay, I was proud of her for not, for not mm-hmm. you know, getting him off. Me too, Portia, because it was so interesting, right? They're finally connected in a very physical, intimate, sexual way. And then she dissociates and like pushes him away. And I wanted to be like, that is your gut instinct telling you, get away mm-hmm. from him. He is dangerous, you know, but she can't stay no. there too long. But she did stay there enough where she didn't just like get right back to having mm-hmm. sex, um, which again, I was proud of her for, but only further pushed him away. Yeah. What a fascinating scene. I would love to interview Mike White and just pick his brain and figure out like how did he get these complex interpersonal dynamics mm, yeah. depicted just so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just now realizing also his name is in the title, White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. So then we see, you know, around Tanya, Greg and Portia's kind of dynamic, um, we see Portia and Jack kind right. of develop. Who's so, the alleged nephew yeah. of Quentin. Mm-hmm. And then we find them having sex. So we sort of come to find out he's not actually right. the nephew. He's also being used. Mm-hmm. Um that was sad yeah. to me. That was really sad. And the, to see that actor really portray like the heartbreak, mm. I, like when he was like really drunk and talking to Portia near the end. Like, how yeah, did you cried. feel with all that? Um, I thought it was really sad. My my guesses are maybe that he was struggling either with um, like contemplating suicide when Quentin came about him, maybe some substance use, mm-hmm. um, maybe being like unhoused. He probably he, had his own trauma history. Yep. Seems really like vulnerable. he was in a really dark place. I mean, he says that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he like he cries, which, you know, is so different from this character that he that he that Jack, the character is portraying as this like macho man who's very appealing to Portia after she has been, you know, having some fun with Albie, who we will cover more. But, you know, Albie seems more like kind, soft spoken, mm-hmm. um, very like aware of using consent yes and you know portia is then all of a sudden very taken by jack who like kind of comes in and like kisses her and it's more like you know a little bit aggressive Aggressive. and and hot and sexy to her but then it's like like we see this downside to it which again is not typical (laughs) you know typically if someone's kind of like taking you know you're swept off your feet in that way like you don't end up in like a murder plot but fully um you know, I think just Jack's story was like, it, it made me sad. It made me sad, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, f- I found him really obnoxious. 
And like, as soon as he came into the the show, I was like, oh no, Portia, you've been talking about how like you're, you want to make better decisions. Albie's right here. He seems really sweet, you're, but you're noticing like he's not chaotic enough or mm. bad enough or, and then here comes this guy. And I was like, oh no, she's totally going to go for him. And he's going to be such a bad choice, but mm-hmm. she's, I feel, I still feel like she's like young yeah, and like learning these things and making these choices and mistakes. And I it all feels very appropriate to be right. quite honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this feels like kind of like appropriate development. Um, I did find her costumes really interesting. Like, I felt like she was such a great character that just, like, embodies the mm-hmm. early 20s person of today. Yeah. You know, like, I actually thought her dialogue with Albie on the um, pool chair is just about how, like, struggling through COVID and how it affected mm-hmm. her mental health. And now she's feeling lost. She doesn't know what to do for a job. She has this awful boss. I was like, this is all so accurate. And yeah. she's, like, really putting good words to it. Um, but then she's, like opening up a lot to him and dumping a lot on him and he's like just listening mm-hmm. that didn't feel like a really uh equal relationship like right away mm-hmm. um well and maybe that was part of her like discomfort maybe it, after a while mm-hmm. with albie and then why jack felt so good because like he didn't know anything about her right it was like yeah. just purely physical she hadn't shared anything like emotional with him it was just like based off having sex and like mm-hmm. being Hot and sexy and doing these wild things. And there was no, like, you know, deeper deeper. emotional vulnerability. And in that way, it kind of, I kind of did find myself wondering, like, is Portia like a younger version of Tanya? Is this sort of the development of something like BPD or um, like attachment trauma? You know, like she's opening up to Albie so quickly, but then like pulls away so quickly. Like, is that more in line with like a personality disorder brewing or is this also just like normal development Mm -hmm. and she's figuring it out and just like what an interesting character i felt like she some of her clothes i loved and then some of them reminded me of limited too Mm -hmm. and i think again that was probably intentional to just play up like how she's so childish and immature in some ways but again she's like a young person and you know they did intentionally include like her talking right about covid not being alone and i think we've seen both you know littles adults and really specifically at least for me adolescents and how COVID and the social isolation and not being around your peers has impacted them. I see Huge. a lot of, you know, more immature behaviors that, you know, shouldn't be quote unquote happening. Mm-hmm. So I think even so, like if we picture her more as maybe like she's I a little know, stunted, 18 instead of maybe 22, I'm thinking right when you get out of yeah. college, like she that feels more sense. appropriate. And mm-hmm. again, like we talked about last time we've talked about before you can get like psychologically stunted when a trauma has occurred mm-hmm. and COVID is a trauma. We have all lived through this collective trauma, but it affects us all in different ways. And we are seeing just skyrocketing rates of youth and adolescent mental health issues mm-hmm. also in adults. But like, I think especially in that population, it's huge. And yeah. that social isolation was a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was a really scary time for people um, and for the youth. So I, I, I totally agree. I was like really glad that they touched on that. Um, I also thought it was interesting that I guess the first season of White Lotus was filmed in 2020. And that was partly why they were restricted to the resort. Oh, Remember, I was always like, why doesn't anyone go explore Hawaii? And I'm hmm. like, oh. And then season two was still in covid times, but things were loosening up so they could film elsewhere um, and leave the resort a okay. little more. And that's I was good, like, oh, that makes a lot know. of sense, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, but I 
Oh, that scene with when Portia is like starting to put together that something yes. really bad is going on. And then I, I couldn't tell if she was supposed to be killed too. And then Jack spares her or if he was just supposed to keep her away. What did you think of that? I think it's left intentionally kind of like up Unclear. to the viewer. Um, there was some talk of like, you know, why didn't he kill her? And it was just more, you know, people were talking about like, it's not because, you know, he loves her at all. It's not like they developed this connection. It's just because I, you know, of his character, like he's not a murderer. Like, yes, mm. he's capable of other things, but we saw how like it feels like all this this world that he's in is so destructive for him. And, you know, he's kind of holding the line at like, what? and I'm not a killer. He seemed torn for the that drive. He you know, did. He, he was ugh. angry, which I think, you know, coming off to Portia, which again is so normal, like he seemed scary. And <laughs> like, yeah, he might yeah. kill you. But like, I don't know, he maybe takes there's some phone. inner conflict at that time yeah. of like what to do. And then he drops her off, right? Like kind of near the airport and it's like, just go to the airport. Yeah. So I thought, ugh. you know, that to me was like he's a, a victim of his circumstances yeah. but still has like a moral compass. Right, yeah. And I thought like did he end up having sex with Quentin to spare Portia? Mm -hmm. Like or was that just a you know was that happening all along? I bet it was happening all along. Um but he really seemed so distraught and like I really didn't know until he drove away if Portia was going to be okay until we saw her like in the airport again. Yeah. And I I don't know if he knew. Like I I don't know mm -hmm. if if he was supposed to bring her back or not or if he was going to then like get hurt because he didn't follow through with the plan or I just really like felt for him by the end. Like I found him really obnoxious at first and then learning about his whole backstory. Right. He's just so vulnerable and was just taken advantage of. It's yeah. so sad. Yeah. I mean, I think Portia's character, people like, I wouldn't say maybe loved, but like some people had like really um, big reactions to her, like mm. didn't like her at all. Thought mm. she was, she was like the main villain of the. That I find shocking. Yeah. The main right. villain, right? Like, whoa. I think that's more, and this is, you know, my opinion. I, I would imagine that's probably coming from a little bit of an older commentator who's mm. watching because i think if you are a working with um gen z <laughs> or if you are in gen z like she feels really normal feels so relatable and and i think like she's actually not the villain she's trying to find herself she's like in italy with her boss she doesn't know what to do with herself like it all makes sense like so she actually had come out with a quote which i thought was interesting yeah about, you know, commenting on people not liking her. And she said, the one thing that I thought was actually kind of unfair and warped was the people who were saying that she was awful or that she was the real villain of the season. There's no way that you can look at that young woman and be like, she is the most awful one on this show. People who think that way should go to therapy. And I was like, hmm, it could, could, or maybe just spend some time around reflecting like, the yeah. youth. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, expanding out from Portia, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a little bit about Albie um, and just like the stark difference between like Albie versus Jack and how they were like so different and how you sort of saw both cute, you both, know, yeah, of yeah. course, both like physically appealing, <laughs> you know, but yeah, Albie like went to Stanford. He seems really modest. He humble. He's really sweet, sensitive. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can tell she kind of wants to be attracted to that guy but there's something missing for her like that spark and that sexiness and like i think all people maybe can relate to that or i think a, a lot of people have felt that at different points in their life mm -hmm. probably in her early 20s yeah and then here comes jack and she's just like totally taken by him 
Um, what did you think of Albie's character? I thought that he was so interesting in how season or episode one portrayed him and then the final episode, episode seven did. So it's like mm. we learned that he is kind of stuck in the middle of this family dynamic where um, he's often the moderator. He often, it seems like, also has, like, power in the family. Like, yeah. he can kind of go to mom or dad and, like, make changes or like make them. Smooth things over. Yeah, exactly. So it, he seems initially, like, really sensitive. And I think he still is. But, like, he's sensitive. He does not like what his dad dominic is doing to his mom it sounds like dominic has like chronic issues with cheating right um, maybe some kind of sexual addiction i, mm-hmm. I don't know and and um, like the kids know at yeah. this point like yep. he, it sounds like he has a sister who's like not on the trip that mom yep. refused to come because of his dad's actions yep. but he came and his grandfather yeah like, <laughs> oh my god what a character yeah and like what a like stereotypical like caricature mm-hmm. of no, an totally. older man <laughs> and it seems like so dominic has contacted lucia mm-hmm. prior to going that was my interpretation yes. and then she meets up with them there that you know um lucia is like a sex worker and then um we kind of go through all the stages of Lu- lucia and mia mm-hmm. being with or a part of the evening for Albie, Dominic, and Bert, oh all God. in different ways. And and then at the end, right, so his arc from episode one to seven with Albie, it's like we see Albie, Dominic, and Bert all kind of their heads turn as this, like, attractive Italian woman is walking by in the airport. And, like, right. I don't know, would that have happened at episode one with Albie? I don't know. For mm-hmm. sure, for Bert and Dominic. I right. Mean, Bert is like this flirt. He oh was like ladies' man. Uh, the scene where they're arriving and the young like receptionist walks him to the room and he's flirting with her and then he farts. Yes. <laughs> like one of the funniest scenes ever. Just the look on his mm-hmm. face like pretending it didn't. And the and the you know employee is so professional. She's just like ignoring uh-huh, it. Yeah, <laughs> just but like he's he's like so trying to like hold on to his suaveness and his like ladies man vibe. But then he's like farting and falling, and he's yeah. like older now. Yeah, you know, and it's it's too much. Yeah. So I thought what I really liked hearing about this family was when Dominic challenges Bert about. Um, Bert's relationship with his wife, who is deceased, mm-hmm. you know, Dominic's mother, where like Dominic knew that Bert was cheating on his mother. Mm. It seemed like she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of talked about her as like she's either a martyr or she's like, um, I forget what it was, like really resentful, like a bitter mm. woman. Mm. And Bert seems so taken aback that, that like his son, yeah, and then that like, that's knew all his this. experience or yeah. that, that he sees. Um, Bert's love of his life, right? So Bert has this image of his wife, his deceased wife, who's like, that's everything to him. And then we learn of these actions that like kind of say differently. It's it's interesting him being challenged on that. And it's almost like speaks to like Bert's own defensive reactions to keep all of that out of Mm -hmm. his consciousness and just think like, wow, we have a great life and I have, you know, my girlfriends on the side Mm -hmm. and no one's the wiser. And then Dominic's like really in his face, like we all knew. And this like was really hard. And then Dominic though is repeating it. Right. Right. And then in that generation, it's like everyone in the family still knows, but in an even more open way mm-hmm. than, you know, the earlier generation. And then we at first think Albie's not going to repeat it. And then the question for me is, does he or was he sort of 
taken advantage of by right. Lucia. Right. Like, was he really developing strong feelings for her or not? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I yeah. think it could go either way. And I think, you know, the writers and, you know, they do that intentionally. They, do that. they totally so do smart. that intentionally because I think it could go 100% either way. I think also I'll be learning that Lucia is, you know, a sex worker. Like, I think that then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And was was where I see his path to go either way. Like mm-hmm. he was either like, okay, like this is something that we do, and like that's I okay. still care about you, just right. like and accept that mm-hmm. about you, and like sort of kind of love you, right? Want to like move forward with you, or then he's like, oh, okay, I can use right. that to my advantage, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I think you know. Albie still feels like the better choice than Jack, yes. but I think that I don't know. Like maybe you know, I guess what happens in Italy stays in Italy, or maybe, does it? Or you know, doesn't. that's the question. Yeah, and I think like asking his dad for all that money and like you know phrasing it as what did how did he phrase it? Like oh his, like, yeah, it's the least you could do, or yeah. like. Um, think of it as like retribution mm-hmm. for all your prior actions yes. and they were both like so manipulating each other that i found it really interesting mm-hmm. and that's when i thought albie really did care about lucia and you know they had that whole scene where her pimp is like following them and she has to go with him and like but then uh, that's fake oh was it yeah so oh, then, was that, what? that so then at the end when it's showing her and mia like last you know five minutes of the movie and they're walking down the street they stop and they like kiss and hug her pimp who's working at some other place i think it was a friend oh, like i think like she boyfriend. did that her, on oh, purpose maybe that's her boyfriend mm-hmm. i think it was a way to like get more money that's what i interpret it because oh. we saw him and they were you know cheek to cheek kissing oh, I like didn't make that smiling connection. yeah oh i didn't know that was the same person wow whoa my mind is blown whoa <laughs> Whoa, because I kept wanting Lucia to like, she was fascinating. She was a fascinating character to me, too, if we want to move mm-hmm. on to her. Um, I thought, you know, the like the depiction of a sex worker, is that the politically yeah. correct way to sort of refer to her job? Um, I'm not, it's not clear to me if that's legal or illegal in Italy, Um but you certainly saw like all the shame coming from Valentina, the manager of the mm-hmm. White Lotus at first. Um, you see Lucia talking to Mia about it in terms of sort of the way they both view money and sex. Yep. I just thought it was really fascinating. What was your take? Yeah, it seemed also like Lucia at times, though, was like really um, ashamed of what she was doing. Like mm-hmm. she didn't want Mia to be a part of it. And then there right. were times where she's like, I don't know, like this feels 
not okay and other times where she felt like really manipulated and also in charge right mm-hmm. like she was manipulating these men to mm-hmm. make a lot of money yeah i mean I was, I was like wow get your bag girl like that's yeah. a lot um, but then you thought like it i thought she just wanted to make enough money to get out and like open her own store um but then by the end i wasn't sure if that's really true or if she's just like happy and fine like doing mm-hmm. this job right I would have liked to know, and again, it seems up for interpretation, like as her and Mia, I thought that after I saw that that was not her pimp, I thought that um, they were, she was going to show Mia, like, and this is the store I bought with the That's money from Albie. And because they, they didn't, I was like, hmm, like, is this is this something that she does frequently? You know, yeah. and it wasn't this one-time opportunity with Albie to get this right. like, huge amount of, ma- of money. So then I was like, I don't know, like, again, I I think it's ambiguous on purpose. I th- exactly. And I think they do that on purpose, like, you know, ending with them strolling down the street, looking in the windows, but not yep. being like, okay, this is the store mm-hmm. I bought, and now I can have this new life. Um, and again, I think that speaks to just the strong feelings that the whole concept of sex work, I think, like, stirs up in everyone. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so different for everyone. Um, and I think it perhaps is also different culturally. Like, I'd imagine there's some cultures where it's more accepted than it is in our American culture. Um, and I thought, like, Lucia's influence over Mia was also really interesting, right? Like, on the one hand, she's, like, bringing Mia along at the beginning, and Mia's, like, not really wanting to. And she's pushing her. She's kind of pushing her to, like, let's go have a threesome. Like, come on, come on. Um, and then when Mia starts to participate, like, with the um, the original pianist, mm-hmm. and then eventually with Valentina, and sees, like, oh, I can use, you know, sex as currency or, you know, use that power to my advantage to get what I want in the world. I feel like Lucia has like mixed feelings about it kind of. Um, Yeah. No, I thought that was that was an interesting dynamic, the two of them, because as I thought initially, like Lucia seems like she's getting out, Mia's getting in. Yeah. Um, But then I think they both were in, in like at the yeah end. and it, but but it seems like kind of they want to be mm-hmm. like it doesn't you know i think it was sort of like thinking like oh me poor lucia she has this pimp she can't get out no matter how much she wants to but maybe not like maybe she is right. fine with it and is know? that the intent right to like have this question in your mind mm-hmm. when you finish of like this isn't a clear-cut um like visual of sex work in a really like vulnerable way mm-hmm. it's more like they're in charge of it and they right. actually got some nice things you know mia her like music career she, right. gets, she gets to sing here um it seems like too at least they showed um besides the pianist and i think that was also just like mia's discomfort maybe because it was like the first time mm-hmm. she was doing something like that but all of the experiences seemed like consensual right yeah and not you know, like gross or where they're feeling or being portrayed as like a victim. Mm -hmm. Um, They seem very much in charge. And I think that's even more clear when I think you learn that that's not her pimp. Yes. Yes. I agree. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Um, And I'm sure all of that was intentional and it does stir up like important, I think, questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also with Mia and Valentina, 
I loved the character of Valentina. Mm -hmm. I loved how like quick witted and strong she was. I loved like her initial commentary when everyone's getting off the boat and she's saying to Bert, like, well, you're so old, right? But you're here. Wow. You know, like just some of the things she would say was like so funny. Um, But wow, it really turned it on its head, right? Because you really saw how she was shaming Lucia and Mia at the beginning, throwing them out, like just being so derogatory toward them, treating them like they're subhuman, which again, I think a lot of of people in the sex work industry, that's probably how they're treated, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then by the end, it's like Valentina is a willing participant. And Mia is, and it's like in some ways, was that kind of beautiful that Mia was finally like helping Valentina like explore her sexuality, mm-hmm. which had been so repressed and unsafe for her to explore? Right. Like that actually seems like take the sex work out. That seems like a beautiful way for someone mm-hmm. to explore their sexuality finally. Right. Right? I don't know. I don't know. It stirs up a lot of mixed feelings for me. It does. And I think also, interestingly, just her character being gay, like, I I know, you know, historically and, um, I don't know, like, anecdotally, that Italy— there's a lot of gay men in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all been allowed to have a homosexual relationship there since like the 1800s wow. in parts. Um, so they've been historically progressive in that way, especially with men. And there's like parts of Italy where there's like a lot of gay beaches and mm-hmm. like... Um, I mean, like look at the gay posse around exactly, Tanya, which exactly. sidebar, I feel like part of that posse was like Borat and Albert Einstein. Like I couldn't stop thinking that when I was watching That's them. so funny. Um, but then, yeah, compare that to Valentina's experience as a gay woman. And she certainly seems right. like it was not safe. Right. At right. all to like even, you know, give any ounce of like it was so repressed. She also seems to like really not like men. Yes. You know, like in like, that coffee shop. Yeah. The coffee shop. And then she's really like, like <laughs> in, in it's so funny. Rocco. Rocco. Yeah. She tra- she makes Rocco go and like work down at the beach. And then she's so like, I think trying to almost like use her like not – 100% fluent in English to to like challenge and shame Dominic yes, when yes, he's asking yes, yes. for Lucia and Mia to like be added to his room, room. and she's right. like I don't understand like so mm-hmm. they'll also be sleeping with your dad and he's like no like so you'll all be in the same yeah. bed yes that was funny and I think like her doing that purposely yes mm-hmm. oh I think so I don't I think she has like contempt for yeah. men and that makes me wonder why mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of background there we didn't get to learn about um, but watching her evolution, I also thought was really fascinating. Yeah. And I kind of just like wonder how she felt at the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. like, did she feel like that um, relationship with Mia, if that was it, like, did it end there or did it continue? Did it feel okay to her? Right. Like, how is she doing now? Like, I, I and just... I think that's another question, right? Like, because she ends up after um, her and Mia had spent the night together, kind of un- Mia didn't ask her, but obviously she made it known that she wanted to sing there. But um, Valentina, you know, dismisses um, the other guy, the other p- pianist, and he's like very upset by it. And she's just like, "No, we're moving forward with this." And then she kind of like smiles at Mia and then mm-hmm. goes about her day. So it's like again, right? Like sex is power. What happens next? You yeah. know, do they have another night together, or, right. Val- or is Valentina now like this confident woman well, I think who's going to go meet someone else to have another night? Mm-hmm. I think she had said like, "If you're not busy yes, later, yes, yes. you know." But yep. like, how long does that continue? Right. 
Um, I loved Mia. Like, I just love, like, she did have this sort of, like, naive innocence in a way. Like, all she wants to do is sing. Mm -hmm. And and then, like, she's finally singing. She's so happy. And I was, like, so happy for her. I did think she was a lot better than the guy. Yeah. Um, The scenes with her and the guy trying to have sex in the chapel, I did feel grossed out by. Oh, and she, like, kept turning her head and there's, like, right the the altar. There's Mother Mary. And I was just like, oh, my my God. And I thought it was humorous when she gave him the wrong pill. And that can happen. So you have to be really careful as a, you know, as I put my doctor's hat on, like, be really careful what kind of pills you're taking. Don't take your friend's pills. It can interact. Yeah. Viagra can interact with blood pressure medications and lead to, like, really serious problems, which I think is maybe what happened mm. with him. Um, but just be careful. You know, we do see in this uh, in this season a lot of talk about prescriptions, like, there. And then we see Harper and her Ambien and kind of sharing it around. Like, Ambien is also not something you should just be sharing around. Yeah, and she seems to think, like, it's so normal, normal. for everyone to taken i'm like ambient is often like a last resort it should be i think unfortunately it can Mm. be quickly prescribed but it's really powerful Mm -hmm. um do not mix it with alcohol do not mix it with other drugs like please don't you could get like really hurt or like stop breathing like it's really serious Mm -hmm. um but yeah i you know maybe that's a nice segue to our last crop of characters who i found perhaps the most fascinating Mm. of all you know, we have Ethan and Harper, who seem to be married, no kids yet. Maybe I think they're thinking about starting to have a family, but they haven't really yet. And it seems like Ethan has come into this windfall. Right. Right. He seems like he's in tech. Maybe he just like mm-hmm. sold some, you know, he created, something that he created. Yeah. Some, Harper's like, a software. lawyer. Right. She's a lawyer. So she has her own career, too. But they were like all of a sudden like uber wealthy. Mm-hmm. And they're on vacation with Cameron and Daphne who are also uber wealthy, but it seems like he's in finance. I think they live in Connecticut. Um, and she's like sort of a stay-at-home mom. And we come to find out that Cameron and Ethan were roomies at Yale, right? And then it seems like their dynamic was always like Cameron always had to be like the big guy on yeah. campus and was threatened by Ethan's like quiet power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, Ethan was saying like whenever he expressed interest in a girl, Cameron would like swoop in, which reminded me of Olivia. Yes, season right, one. From season one. Yeah. It's just like in like a, you know. Olivia and Paula? Was yes, it? yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, kind of fast forward and now let's switch up the gender roles. Mm-hmm. So what were your first impressions of these these folks? And I can't wait to pick your brain about Daphne. Well, I think intentionally, right, like Harper is made to oh, appear as like, oh, I know, I, she's fabulous, <sighs> um, as like cold, distant, right? Like um, I'd say like really liberal, like yeah. woke and like, you know, that she's – But really, not in like an icky way like Olivia from season one. Right, like in a really like – smart way <laughs> yeah like she's a lawyer and she's like fighting for the employees mm-hmm. and you know like all that stuff yep it sounds like she's either fully or like half puerto rican so mm-hmm. she has like that kind of experience and, and knowledge but, base pro- calling but from, like white passing in yep, america Ethan seems like he's asian to some degree mm-hmm. um so again like you know not white like white male, and but also yeah. you know i'd say like a what do they call um but yeah what's the phrase model minority yeah, so so Ethan, it might also be considered, right, like part of the model minority, you know, and also very stereotypical, like in tech, like made a lot of money, very smart. Right. Um. So just interesting that dynamic then right kind away. of pushed against Cameron and Daphne, who seem opposite in some ways, right? Like more gen- clear gender roles with like Cameron makes the money, Daphne stays at home with the kids, and then like, you know, the, the, 
the conflict or how Daphne like tolerates that comes out. That I thought was mm-hmm. fascinating. Like I, I sort of from the jump had this feeling like, okay, so Cameron and Ethan were friends, are friends. I don't know. And they're like on this vacation together. Harper was spot on to say like, he invited you because he wants your money. So just like be ready for it. And like, yep, that's what happens. Right. Um, I, it totally blindsided me. I, I knew Cameron was cheating and stuff. I didn't think Daphne was like also getting back at him, but in major ways, mm-hmm. like almost like she has the power. And again, it's like she is using Cameron's fear of abandonment to her advantage. Oh, what did you think of that? Yeah. And also, I was just wondering, like, chicken or the egg, right? Like, who, yes. who pushed who first? And they um, like get off on pushing mm-hmm. each other, right? It's right. like... Real toxic, right? But like hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you know, and we, we're we're going to spend some time talking about them. But but I think again, where we're left to wonder, right, is it's not entirely confirmed. But like, did Harper and Cameron have sex? And mm-hmm. did Ethan and Daphne have sex? Yes. And the final scene right. of them waiting at the airport, where Cameron and Daphne feel kind of distant. But then Harper and Ethan are way more connected. And they have, you know, sex back in the hotel room. Finally. It's like finally the spark is reignited, right? It seems like they were like married and maybe going through like a dry spell. You know, they were – and they were like so openly talking about how like, well, Ethan watches porn all the time. He wants to have sex in the morning. I want to do it at night. Like all this stuff. And you could see how like when Harper's trying to seduce him, he's like pushing her away. And then it's like the flames rekindle. Right. Yeah. And so, right, the question is, like, why? Is it because right. they both had sex with others and now they're in this real relationship similar to Cameron right. and Daphne? Or did they, did they not? And, like, and they are now feeling really close and connected to each other because of that. It's, it's. I don't know. I know. I've, I, I don't know either. And I could see it go both ways. Like, are they, did they, like, redefine the terms of their relationship and they're both, like, on board with it? Or did they resist and that made them realize how much they really care about each mm-hmm. other and that's what reignited right. the flame? It's so ambiguous it and is. unclear. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. So we see them have – so Daphne and – Daphne tricks Harper to like go spend the night somewhere. At some palazzo mm-hmm. or some fancy thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, who wants to do that? It seemed kind of boring. Right. They were like in this huge, you know, beautiful space, but like by themselves. Yeah. Like, where do you get dinner? I don't know. I don't know. Like, she could find one strand. They took an edible. Yeah. To like relax. Uh, but I would feel like, yeah, like Harper felt like she was like kid trapped. Yeah. And she was. And then Daphne's like, well, don't call Ethan. I want to call Cameron first. Right. Yeah. Like, she needed to call Cameron first to and let she- them know that they just got so swept up and like are just going to stay here now. But that wasn't true. No. Like, she knew the whole mm-hmm. time that she was going to, like, stick it to him in right. this way. Is it, like, is it because she knew he was bound to cheat on her or he has before? And right. So and she's, like, spending is, his money. And this is her okaying it? Like, she – because if they had never left, they never would have, like, had the opportunity to do that. Never crossed so my mind. So she left intentionally, like, giving him this – which, again, like, he obviously didn't need to do it. But, like, she gave him this space – to have this day that, you know, could have just been jet skiing. Oh, that never crossed my mind. I always thought she was, like, mad at him and getting him back. But this is also, like, she's giving him an invitation. 
Yeah. But it's also like this is where their toxicity plays off each other because she knows it's going to hurt him. And she says that to Harper, like, oh, he like is has this fear of abandonment. I think she even like calls it that. And fear of missing out. Like yeah, they're having this, this new experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to like stick it to him and spend his money to like rent this mm-hmm. place. But then maybe she knows that's going to make him mad enough to like be unfaithful to her. But then maybe somehow that justifies her. Um and the scenes between Harper and Daphne where Harper's, like, trying to bring it to her attention, what did you think of Daphne's responses and the actress's responses? Hmm. I would say, first, not typical. Like, not what I was, you know, I guess a knee-jerk Not expecting. what I was expecting at all. And she kind of, like, initially gets pretty, like— severe with harper insisting that she is not the victim yes she gets very like hard Mm -hmm. and defensive very quickly Mm -hmm. like when they're still in that palazzo or something and she's like i think something happened with them right and and when harper is like do you think he cheats on you and she's like once or twice Um, like a year a month (laughs) yeah Um, and i think at first you're left to think like he does that and she like accepts it and then it hit me out of left field when she's talking about her personal trainer mm-hmm. right did you pick up on yeah, what the she kid. was saying that it's like his kid yes right yes and that's like the ultimate sucker punch i feel like to cameron right and like right because she describes oh. and it, this was very in my opinion intentional she describes the trainer as like when he looks this like. blonde-haired blue-eyed guy and then she shows them a picture of her two kids and like one of them, i mean the one that i zoomed in on which again it was probably you know edited so i would do that was this blonde-haired blue-eyed boy and like yeah. cameron has brown eyes right and, you know you if you know and daphne has blue it's, so that's possible but you yes. know i i just thought it was like no like she's this is trying the trainer's son yeah and she was allegedly trying to show harper a picture of the trainer and then i right. was like oh this is a picture of your kids and she's like oh is it and that's it. Like yep. Daphne leaves so much. She mm-hmm. said so much by saying so little. Yep. And I feel like that is her power. Um, and just like what a what a thing to hold on to that like and does Cameron know or I not? Know. Like I think no. I think he thinks that he is the one like who's getting away or like or you know, being guys like the hot behind shot. the scenes. But I think it's like Daphne is the one ultimate and she knows it and that's right. how I think she can tolerate and that's how she like steps. gets off I mm-hmm. think Oof, icky yeah and icky, not really expected right when right? we meet her she's like oh hi she's like, so, so fun I think I voted last year yeah. I, when I get drunk I donate mm-hmm. to everything mm-hmm. you know I didn't see that coming like what a fascinating right. character I kind of want Daphne to be in season three I want to see where Daphne goes mm-hmm. I never liked Cameron he gives me the yeah. egg, like right away well in her comments Daphne's of like not having a lot of female friends or having mm-hmm. a, a hard time with that I was like well is it because Cameron's like touching them <laughs> is it because he's trying to have sex with all your friends or or are they picking up on just like your toxic relationship and don't want anything to do with it just icky mm-hmm. yeah and then it's like look how she relates to Harper right like, at first, she's, like, really complimentary and seems kind of sweet. And one of those, like, at first, I was like, you're just one of those, you know, people who, like, can just, like, see the good and, like, block out the bad yep. news and stuff like that. Whereas, like, Harper and Ethan are more, like, r- like based in reality. Mm-hmm. But then this whole other, like, nefarious side to Daphne came out. And the I'm just left wondering, like... Is this who Daphne is or has she turned into this in relation to Cameron? Right. And this like toxicity. I don't know. It's fascinating. It is. It, it's it's so fascinating. I mean, I thought the four of them were an, an, like a really 
interesting storyline to follow. Oh. I think also just like it seems to be that if there's something that you're trying to get away with, it's like the truth seems to always come out, right? Yeah. Of course, Chief um, Harper finds the condom. Oh. Um, and then she like start, you know, she starts pulling all of this other information out of Ethan, which like I, I was like, Ethan, come clean. Like earlier, it's like yeah. you kept adding things in over time, over and over. And it's like I understand that like you still were by sharing what happened are going to make Harper uncomfortable or like upset. But like she thinks that you had sex with someone. And on the flip side, Harper didn't bring it up right away. Like, she found right. it. She kind of kept it. They went to dinner as if everything's okay. Or she kept asking him questions about right. last night, and he was, like, really evasive. I know. I was just like, you guys, communicate mm-hmm. directly. Right. Like, come on. But I don't think they really know how to. Mm-hmm. And then they really start to mistrust each other. Um, and it seems like it's all... Because of, like, Cameron and Daphne, right? Like, it, it, I blame Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. It's like he's the one who's stirring the pot. And I think Ethan like touching her leg is, is right flashing back to college where yeah. it seems like he actually like really doesn't like Cameron and Cameron right. like took a lot from him. And and that's why then he becomes really, really paranoid, which maybe rightly so about Car- um, Cameron and Harper. And then he beats him up in the water, which I loved. And then they're all yeah. like dining together again. Oh my it gosh, just, I know. I don't it's even just, know. I know. And then it's like, I felt like Harper was like seeing Ethan maybe like, is this why we're on the trip? Because you want to show him like you finally win. It's like, again, them on the jet skis was like so perfect. Mm-hmm. They're just having like a, a man contest, like right. who wins? And he would want to like rub it in his face. But then it's like, you see Cameron for who he is. And he's always been that way, mm-hmm. right? Um Oh, it's just really interesting. Yeah. So we see, you know, and we saw power dynamics as well in season one, but it's like the power of sex. Yes. Um, the power of relationships, manipulating each other. Um, it, it just was a really interesting season in that way. It was really interesting. I mean, I I totally see why it is it like swept mm-hmm. the Emmy nominations like right under succession. Um, all of the characters in, the, in that foursome were nominated uh, for Emmys. So was Jennifer Coolidge. Like, I mean, it was just, it was such a good show. Mm-hmm. Really and Lucia well and Mia, which I, I loved the fact oh, that they I, were. I think it was actually Lucia and Valentina. Valentina, okay. Yeah. Um, but just really, really remarkable. And I thought, like, again, right up there for me with, like, Succession mm-hmm. and you and just getting it so right in terms of, you know, like, the dialogue. But even more than that, like, everything else besides the yeah. dialogue when they're acting and and staging and, mm-hmm. like, their body language and what's not said and the silences and the facial expression, all of it is so good, yes. so compelling, and so accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, the the more quieter um, characters on this show, like Jack, mm-hmm. like Portia, you know, maybe was a little bit of a bigger character than Jack, but, like, I think they're also such good actors like yeah. we felt so many different emotions towards all of the them. characters all at different times and i feel like that to me really speaks about someone's um, ability to be an actor yeah and you know we also have um coming out next month one flew over the cuckoo's nest and we mm-hmm. talked too about jack Nich- nicholson's performance in that where it's like his character is set up so that you automatically should right like not like him and then there's this and weird dynamic in the show where you're rooting for him and and again i feel like i see that with jack right mm-hmm. like he's participating in this like horrible scheme mm-hmm. but like i feel really sorry for him mm-hmm. and i you know have empathy and i think well well, that's, uh, you know, most people can feel 
empathy. That's empathy good. You're not a sociopath. It's confirmed. Yeah, confirmed today. <laughs> but I just think all of their characters are so well written and so well acted. I know we just said that, but I'm repeating it because I'm just such a fan. Yes. Mike White, please come on our show someday. Yeah, we'd love to pick your brain. <sighs> it, I, it must be an amazing place to be in your brain. I know, right? Um, so what is your prediction so for season three? For season three. So we saw an emphasis on money. There's an emphasis on sex. What's what could, what could be greed? Next? I mean, I'm thinking maybe of like the um, seven deadly, seven deadly sins. sins, like gluttony, like I don't lust. Know. Uh, I, I guess that's sex. I'm fascinated by Daphne. Like I, I would actually love it if Portia's the one who we sort of follow next. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really interesting. I found Daphne really fascinating. I don't know Portia. I have no idea what to expect. I bet the all the you know the writer strike and the SAG strikes, which I fully support, but I think that will sort of delay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's such an interesting thing to think about. I was watching, um, a rerun of a show that I like. I watch Big Bang Theory sometimes at night uh, because I've seen all the episodes. Fun, silly. And I was like, this is what we're going to have to do. Like, Mm -hmm. watch all these reruns because everything is going to be delayed. Right. right? Like, yes, I'm sure they can, like, throw out some, you know, Hallmark movies because they're really good at producing and getting those ones out fast once this is over. Yeah. But some of these shows we know, Yellow Jackets, White Mm -hmm. Lotus. You. um, You. Like, uh, yes, you know, like you said, I'm supportive, but I just want the content. I know. So if these corporations could just get it together, that would be great. But in the meantime, if you're enjoying this content, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Our show is doing better than we expected. Um, But if you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at Analyze Scripts. Follow us on TikTok at Analyze Scripts Podcast. Follow us on Threads at Analyze Scripts Podcast. Let us know what you want to hear us analyze next. Um, And we'll see you next Monday. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.